I don't see the point, right? I do not see the point of inviting the 1975 to a country and then telling us who we can have sex with. And I'm sorry if that offends you and you're religious and it's part of your government. Hello and welcome to Rice Privilege. We're back after a big, long hiatus yet again. And uh, once more, I have my good friend Jason on the call. Hello, hello, everyone. Good to be back. Good yes. to be talking about Asian stuff. Lots of big things happening in our lives. We'll get to that another yes. time because today we're very special guests with us. You may have heard in the news this week something that happened in Malaysia, somewhere you don't really hear about much in the music news or maybe even generally global news. Uh, the band in 1975 performed, headlined Good Vibes Festival, and uh, Maddie Healy, known for his onstage antics, made some remarks, anti-government remarks concerning uh, laws and views on homosexuality, proceeded to kiss his bassist on stage leading to their set getting cut short and the rest of the festival getting cancelled, leaving many performers and vendors and workers in the lurch, out of pocket, thousands of ringgit. And it's led to a big discussion, both nationally and internationally, on LGBT rights in Malaysia, as well as what to do with someone like Matty Healy. Uh, we have a very special guest with us today, Carmen Rose, a drag performer based in Malaysia, who has been very busy this week speaking with several platforms and uh, she's been kind enough to sacrifice a bit more of her time with us this week to share a little bit about her experience as a drag performer in Malaysia and, you know, have a bit more time than just a five, six minute soundbite on the BBC to talk about these things. So thank you, Carmen, for joining us. Welcome, Carmen. Thank you for having me. Yes. Hello. Carmen, before we go into more depth about what happened with the 1975 and the festival and the reaction. Let's, I want to step a little bit back before and give our listeners a little bit more context and more background about you. So we know that you've been performing as a drag queen in Malaysia. So how, how long have you been doing this and how did it all begin? So, Oh, I started doing drag, exploring with drag since 2012, but I started performing professionally since 2018 during Pride Month. And um, I think that's about maybe five years ago. I don't, mm -hmm. don't know. I'm not keeping count. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm considered, considered a seasoned drag queen uh, in Malaysia. No longer a baby drag queen, although I like to still call myself a baby drag. <laughs> what is the drag scene like in Malaysia, actually? Um, it's still growing, to be honest. Um, but it was growing even bigger since 2019 because there were a lot of queer events happening that year. I started winning uh, the ball and then I just heightened my uh, drag exposure from there. And it's, uh, we started this party called Shagrila. And uh, it's basically inspired by the Berlin nightlife scene where oh. you know uh, we want to party till the next day mm -hmm. and so but this concept of Shagrila it's a mix of 
uh, techno and drag queens. So wow. you have techno and you basically rave and also you have drag performances whereby which is not like uh, we don't have a stage. Basically, we perform in the middle and we're surrounded mm. by these patrons while they are, you know, under something. I don't know. And we also encourage them to dance with us after our performances. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like an immersive party. Like you interact with the drag queens. And it's also an inclusive party, a theme party. Mm-hmm. So like every installment we had, um, it's a theme party where every queer or individuals would dress up for that party. Because basically in KL, queer parties are very hard to find. Uh, there's not much out there. Even if there is, they're always catered to circuit boys where like this muscular gays, mm. uh, majority mm. of them are Chinese and you don't feel like you belong. Right. So, but for this party, it's for all types of uh, queer people from different mm. backgrounds, uh, no judgment and uh, whatsoever. So it's a theme party and every theme uh, every month we have this party, we also have a message. Let's, for example, uh, the fourth installment of Shakrila, it was called the uh, Dungeons and Drag Queens. So oh, BDSM. That's fun. Yeah, it's very BDSM themed. <laughs> and our message is also like, you know, sexual consent. Uh, uh-huh. mm. t- we were talking about consent as well. Mm. And yeah. So we had like, I think five installments before covid uh, came around and the lockdown happened and after yep. that it was just it died yeah mm. and it's uh, trying so, to bring it back now after COVID or after the lockdown uh, was lifted we had the sixth installment and before the sixth installment uh, we decided to move into a bigger venue whereby we wanted to host this Halloween party. So we called it Shave by Shagrilla. Mm-hmm. So uh, we it it was, I think, one of our biggest, the first and biggest one yet, and um, outside of what we usually do. So it was a Halloween party, but unfortunately got cut short because of the raid uh, that happened. Mm. That was last year, 2022. Yeah. It was, unfortunately, I didn't get to perform. Um, mm. And although I was waiting backstage to perform and the police oh, wow. and religious police, they oh. came uh, without a warrant. It just raided that party. Wow. Mm. So, yeah, how does that work? Because you had five parties already that you s- seem to have yeah. gone off without any problems. So why do you think this mm-hmm. Halloween party in particular drew this attention? So there are a few reasons, and I'm going to explain the reasons that I know, and it's obvious, uh, because election was around the corner. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the reasons why they targeted us, and we are the easiest target. We know mm. politicians in Malaysia love using uh, LGBT community as a scapegoat for their political gains. Yep. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Unfortunately, because, you know, election uh, season, usually they announce very late and we weren't given ahead of time when the election was, but the party was already planned like two months prior. 
Right. So before that, we were able to do those parties because the venue was not disclosed and it was a very small bar where everyone was like really close to each other and uh, mm-hmm. it was, it went well, it went fine. But yep. this time, because it's like really big, we went all out with poster, with the mm. promotion. I'm the I designed the posters and I was in charge of the marketing as well. Right. So the venue was, uh, yeah, was disclosed. I think it got onto the wrong hands. Somehow someone reported that there might be a LGBT party. Mm-hmm. So they probably reported it to the religious department. And um, we got all a proper permit to run the party. We even got uh, one of our organizer actually went to the police department to us to, to, ha- to get the green light from them uh-huh. to mm-hmm. continue this party. Yes. And we got the green light and everything was done uh, through proper channels. Yeah, uh, nothing you know like uh shady or anything we it was done through proper channels because this is a big venue we had concerts and all that stuff it was planned for two months and imagine all the hard work put behind mm-hmm. and halfway through the party it just stopped because mm-hmm. that was religious police they worked with the, the local uh how to say city council and mm-hmm. uh, police outside of our jurisdiction wow. to raid that party because the police in our jurisdiction uh, gave us the green light. Wow. Mm. So they came in without a warrant and they were banning Muslims because the religious raid is o- only applies to the Muslims. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the police were targeting the non-Muslims by testing them on drugs for wow. drugs ah. because they did not want to make it seem like um they were just targeting the Muslims mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ah, and sure. yeah it was a huge thing uh, the conversation was big in Malaysia and unfortunately it wasn't reported globally because this only got to uh, Singapore heard about it and right. the good thing that came out of it is that they invited us to perform in Singapore Aha, uh-huh, mm-hmm. yeah. Because, and yeah. Th- that's where you're calling from right now, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. why I'm here today. Yeah. That's so crazy because as you said, you know, you're inspired by the Berlin clubbing scene. And for us living in Europe, right? Uh, or from the West, that sort of story sounds like history where police raids on LGBT parties, right. underground clubs. Like I live in Prague, uh, and you know, that was like same thing with communism, the secret police. Also Berlin, you know, that's where a lot of techno and right. culture history comes from with the communism, East Berlin and stuff. But it's happening in real time today. It's happening in mm-hmm. countries like Malaysia. And yeah. like, how do you, yeah. how does that make the community feel in Malaysia? Do you feel like it makes you stronger as an underground scene? You feel like solidarity together or is there a real sense of fear and uncertainty in the community there? It's a mix of everything, to be honest, and uh, every career individuals uh, experience it differently. But personally, for myself, uh, when that raid happened, I was a bit traumatized, and mm. uh, the queer scene mm. here had to lay low for of a course. while, just not to get attention, uh, just until the 
election is over. And um, after that, we took a lot of uh, precautionary uh, steps if mm. we want to have queer parties, meaning we work with lawyers so that mm. they are present when, if things like this happen again. And which it did. So in January, I was supposed to perform for my friend's uh, album launch. And my drag sister, who is a Muslim, and we got a tip from someone that there might be a raid at where we are going to perform. Wow. And the organizer didn't want to, you know, uh, ruin whatever they've worked so far. So the reason the police gave was because the drag queens are performing and if they, they don't stop me and the other drag queen from performing, they will rape the party. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had they had to let us go. The organizers mm. had to let us go. Although my lawyer, my lawyer friend told me that uh, Carmen, because she's not, I'm not Muslim and I can go ahead and perform mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they can't do anything to me. Yeah. But they can charge my Muslim drag sister, which I was fine uh, going ahead with it. But they were still scared to take the risk, um, which is understandable as well. So mm-hmm. it affected my livelihood, our livelihood, basically. Um, and during the party, uh, it still went on. And I decided to go in drag still because I did not want to give in to uh, the intimidation tactics. Mm, yep. And there were undercover cops, which they made it so obvious that they're undercover, mm. like wearing caps, you know, <laughs> sling oh bags, <laughs> black. <laughs> they didn't even try to fit in. I'm just like, yeah. you know. And um, my friends told me they were taking pictures of me and I'm, I was like, uh-huh. you know what, let me go dance in front of them so they get a clearer picture of me, you know. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I did that and I was like, you know, I'm not afraid of you also because I know they can't do anything to me. Mm. So, And my lawyer friend was around. Yeah. So I did that and I also took video of them because it's like, you know, if you do it yes. to me, I'm going to do it to you. Yes. That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And... um. Basically, I just gave them a performance, even though it wasn't on stage. <laughs> Maybe you want yeah. some new fans so... secretly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who knows? They're secretly, you know, turned on by it. <laughs> exactly. They probably are, you know. <laughs> They're like Googling yeah. you when they get home. New followers next day. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And um, so I did that. And uh, for me, it's a form of protest. Of course. Because mm. I, I also understand and acknowledge my privilege as a non-muslim that's Mm. why i can do that and i understand if my muslim sisters can't do that because they don't want to go through that trauma again by Mm. by getting uh taken away in a truck to religious department one question that i had in particular as i'm listening to your stories and it's something that is i think many people including myself living in a western society has maybe difficulty understanding you know like just how much of a religious influence there is in 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 the in, in the government so you were mentioning that there's a a normal quote unquote normal police and then there's a religious mm-hmm. police mm-hmm. yeah and and does that mean like um 
people who are Muslim, they ha- so basically there are two different laws. Yes, One Malaysia employs. Yeah. Yes. And Malaysia employs two uh, systems, and one is mm. the Sharia law, which applies to Muslims, and one is the secular law, which applies generally to non-Muslims. I see. So, yes, one country, two systems, sort of. Wow, and it must be quite hard to navigate through that, especially if you are a Muslim in Malaysia. Yes. And you see, like, your neighbor, your friend, friend maybe even your relative um having a completely different rights system going on yeah it's very complicated like because at the same time uh, malay muslims here have uh certain rights but then those who are not practicing muslims uh, they are also affected by the sharia law like they cannot drink um Mm. Uh, they cannot do certain stuff, you know. No, but no kissing also... in public, right? Oh, that's generally in Malaysia. They don't allow that. <laughs> oh, even, for really? the, it, it, even for the straight people. But, you know, in yeah, KL, so. uh, it, in the yeah. city, it's diff- a little bit different. So uh, depending on where, where you are and where the rules are enforced, hmm. Like, say, for religious state like Kelantan, Tranganu, they usually enforce those strict uh, Sharia law, like, because the state is run by a religious uh, party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it really depends on where you are. So to also give you context, uh, here, if you're born Malay, you're born Muslim. So you don't mm-hmm. have a choice to convert to other religions compared to Indonesia and Singapore, oh. where the Malays, they can freely choose their religion. But over here, if you're born Malay, you're automatically a Muslim in your paper. I see. And then there's, if I understood you correctly, there's no way for a Malay Muslim to not be Muslim? Yes, there are some attempts. Uh, the case mm-hmm. of, uh, I think you can Google this story, Lena Joy. Um, mm-hmm. they, she had to go through this Sharia court. Uh, they, she wanted to change her status to not uh, Christian because uh, mm-hmm. she didn't want to be uh, professed as a Muslim anymore. Mm-hmm. But on paper, she couldn't, it wasn't successful. They make it really hard for you to convert. Uh-huh. And but practicing, she's a Christian. Yeah, so oh, she's wow. pra- she's Christian practicing, but she, on paper she's still, she's still labeled Muslim. Yes, so they really uh-huh. make it difficult for you to convert if uh-huh. you want to, and and if you actually do, they will call you an apostate. Apostate. Yeah, know? apostate. They yeah. call you. Yeah, they will label you that. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So there's like, clearly there's such a different and complex system to navigate through. I think this kind of transitions back to the incident with Maddie Healy, mm-hmm. the, the the lead vocalist from the 1975. I'm guessing he probably had no clue about all of this stuff. <laughs> he he yeah, probably just went there and thought like, oh my Educated God, guess. government, like... Yeah, just have sex yeah. with anyone you want. You know, that, that was his rant. It's and... giving white savior complex. Exactly. 
<laughs> Let's talk more about this. Like, how did you first find out about this incident? Was it through the news or your friends? Were you at the festival? No, I wasn't. I was uh-huh. online. So I woke up at, I think, 6 a.m. I just, you know, like, let me look through my phone and see what's going mm. on uh-huh. as usual. So I went to Twitter and Instagram and I saw what happened. I saw videos and I was like, mm. oh, shit. This is not <laughs> going to be good because they didn't cut off the kissing part where mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. kissed his bandmate yeah. and it was just largely displayed there. I'm just like, this is going to be bad because all eyes are going to be on the queer community because that was mm. a man kissing another man. And I know how some Malaysians or the government will make a big deal out of this. And we wasn't sure how this was going to unfold. Uh, but I sort of foresee that this uh, is going t- to be controversial. So I was yeah. pretty upset. And of course, I, me as an opinionated person, I <laughs> had to type something out on my Insta story to try to speak up for my uh, queer folks who are scared what might mm-hmm. unfold after this. So I put myself on uh, like a front line yeah. just to speak up for them. Sports, and sports I, person. Yeah. And I didn't know it was going to get traction. I was just like, I cannot go back to sleep unless I post uh, mm. a talk about it because I I was thinking about it uh, for a while like because I couldn't go back to sleep at all. So I mm-hmm. have to say something. And I think it just sort of, got some traction on Twitter as well. And yeah, that's how I found, mm. found out about the incident. And um, mm. there was like conversation going around, you know, and yeah, it was just heated. Yeah, and I was about to say like, you absolutely did the right thing because there probably were so many people, so many queer kids who were afraid from what had just happened and I think as someone like you who has an audience who has viewers and who look up to you um yeah it must have been really important for the scared queer kids to be like okay like we got this we can fight through this yeah absolutely Mm. um because we are aware also with election the state election around the corner and um we sort of like knew that the government is going to use this the politicians i mean they're going to use this as uh ammo to mm-hmm. further their agenda whatever they want to do to gain uh votes yeah and i don't think it helped the fact that maddie healy was like intoxicated like <laughs> he was this really aggressive like I, I think he was Certainly like not. trying to break dr- drones and you know <laughs> yes. you just you just know that the conservatives the government like basically they're gonna try to frame this as like this is this is the result like this is what yes know, the, the gays are destroying your drones and <laughs> yes the religious oh, party goodness. would love to use this especially because they've been protesting like foreign artists who supports the queer rights movement from even coming here. So mm. with what Matty Healy did, this is a huge ammunition for them. Yeah, they, it's basically a huge, I told you so, right? Free pass. Yes, yes. 
Yeah. I mean, it's interesting for me to follow this story because I like the 1975. I, of course, you have to concede that, yes, Matty Healy is a bit of a, a four-letter word. He is problematic. <laughs> he said terrible things. He's done some strange things on stage. But that's kind of his thing, right? Every artist, every frontman kind of has that narcissistic drama, you know, attention-seeking behavior. But then, of course, on the other hand, the Malaysian government does have these quite strict conservative views. And as we've been hearing these news stories coming out, like a lot of the Western media narrative, as we've spoken about before, they're saying, well, at the end of the day, he's bringing light to these issues. So he's doing a good thing. Uh, obviously, you disagree. People on the ground would disagree. How should we expect this to move forward? Do you think it, the attention has been overall positive? Or you'd rather it just have been a, a nice, normal performance for the 1975? I think they should just have not invited them, to be honest, considering uh -huh. um, uh, how problematic Matty Healy has been recently. I'm also right. even quite uh, shocked that he was invited. Oh. Yeah. Um, and also... Uh, they rejected uh, him before, but then good vibes uh, appealed to the government, the minister again, to have him over, provided he abide by the rules, mm -hmm. you know, and not do anything unruly. Right. And But then, you know, um, I think what he did wasn't a good thing for us at all. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when I say this as a queer Malaysian who lives in Malaysia, I hope the Western audience would listen to us instead of speak mm. over us and say this is a good thing for you. Mm -hmm. uh, because this has been the narrative that the Western media have been trying to push that this is a good thing. It's they started a movement or something. No, we mm -hmm. have been doing it our way. What Matthew Healy did basically undid, like, could possibly undo years of progress that the mm -hmm. queer uh, local organizations here have been doing. Whatever works in the West does not necessarily works in the global South. Yeah, mm -hmm. because you also have to understand uh, cultural context and how complex it is, and all that stuff. And to say that Matthew Healy did something good for us is very patronizing and very uh, tone deaf because you're not listening to what mm. the local queer people have to say, what it means for them and what the damage that he has caused. But you... if he want... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. But if he wanted to uh, stand in solidarity with us, he would have worked with queer organizations. He would have mm. spoken to them and understand what uh, the the cultural context here is before you know doing anything. He could have donated his uh, mm. whatever earnings to local queer organizations, mm. but he was just basically throwing tantrum and kissing <laughs> mm. his, yeah. his bandmate. Basically, he's just reducing us queer people to just man kissing men. Exactly. Oh my goodness, you said it mm. so perfectly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, yeah, so basically, he did nothing, and he just shut <laughs> off the country. Like, if he wanted to go to jail for us, he would have stayed yeah. and took accountability, but he did not. Yeah. He just yeah. ran away to Singapore. 
Hmm. Oh gosh, yes. So I think that what you said earlier, the whole uh, it's giving white savior complex is like this is a perfect example of it. Someone who has no respect, no context, shows yeah. up, thinks they're doing something super amazing, and then later just you know Bye. disappears. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like so basically centering around um the very self-centered motivation and uh giving this savior narrative. Hmm. Like we did not ask for it. I also just what you said um about how you like the the people, the local queer community has been working on it. And you know, there's a there's a different approach to resolving this and finding solutions and how he just kind of came and almost set mm -hmm. things back is just such is so heartbreaking to hear. I just wanted to ask, like, wh how do we, how do you move on? Like, what's, wh how do we move forward with this? I think next time, if anyone outside of Malaysia who wants to stand in solid, solidarity, I, I don't know mm. how to pronounce that word. No, that's right. That's right. Oh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> solidarity. solidarity. Yes, with us, I think it's very important for them to educate themselves on the local context mm. or work with local organizations first before doing anything. And also there's a right place and time uh, to do yes. that. Like you can do it on stage, like I don't care, but like do it uh, going in with like be sensitive about it and mm. know what the consequences are. And have a bit of Not class. Just Yes, because you don't know how it will affect the local queer community because it doesn't affect you because you get to fly off to back to your white country and then, mm. you know, live your life there while we have to suffer here more, yeah. even more, because we basically kind of lost trust from the uh, already homophobic government, this gives them more reason to discriminate and ostracize us. Yeah. And um, really sad to hear. And let alone, it's like, yeah, it's really also so close to state elections, unfortunately. And this is, I don't know, I am not sure what's going to happen. I don't want to manifest it, but like I am, I am foreseeing them using this as an ammo to uh, further uh, ostracize our community. Mm. Yeah, but it sounds like you and your friends and your team are doing a lot of good work and um, yeah. we wish you all the best and uh, we hope to keep in touch in the future. So Asian people... And with uh, hot takes, Kevin. Hot takes. So we like to recommend media, books, movies, Netflix series that we're all watching at the moment. Jason, yourself? Um, I mean, obviously, I'm obsessed with <laughs> new jeans right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you listen to K-pop, Carmen, but I'm obsessed with K-pop. And that's like <laughs> my one connection I have with Korea. So because, um, um, yeah, my parents are Korean. So, yeah, new I jeans. escape. Yeah. Yeah, you escape. I can't escape because Malaysians they love K-pop. Oh yes. Ah, uh, yeah. 
yeah exactly so i'm obsessed with their new album nice it's, it's pretty good it's i listened amazing. yesterday what about you carmen are you watching anything reading anything that you could recommend to listeners um currently no not really i've just been really busy maddie healy <laughs> back, backstage yeah. videos yeah <laughs> watch them <laughs> no but i i've just i've just been watching beyonce online like the con the concert oh uh, yes yeah i'm inspired by her stage presence so and you know as a as a link in beyonce was banned from malaysia 2008 yes. i think 2007 really yeah. and she's still beyonce banned. lady gaga <laughs> oh gosh yeah yeah katie perry came here twice wow oh. did she, did she yeah. kiss a girl on stage no <laughs> <laughs> she followed the rules yeah, yes yeah, she no. did her research. Yeah. What about you, Kevin? What do you um, recommend? For me, I uh, it's hard to find time these days. I have two babies now, which is crazy. It's funny, right? Time and like <laughs> life moves so fast. Me and Jason used to go out together, partying, clubbing, and stuff. <laughs> and then he moved to Berlin, and then now I have two children. It's like, what the heck? Oh, you're <laughs> yeah. straight. <laughs> yeah, I'm straight. I have a wife and two kids. But I uh, did the other alternative. <laughs> I still manage to go out once every few months, maybe. Yeah. But um, I, I am reading a book about bilingual children for obvious reasons. My kids are mm-hmm. going to be bilingual. That um, is a interesting topic to discuss. For well, next I mean, yeah, time, perhaps. You, yes. Jason, you're multilingual. Um, yes, that is common. I'm guessing you probably speak Bahasa. And yeah. Do you speak anything else? Uh, I'm so I'm half Chinese, half Indian. So I speak Bahasa. I know English more. Yeah. Uh, Chinese, Mandarin, and Cantonese. They're just very conversational. And yeah. Tamil, I just understand a little bit. Uh, most Malaysians are multilingual. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. As I mentioned to you in WhatsApp, right? Try explaining that to Europeans. Like, how can you be? <laughs> how can you be Malaysian and Chinese, but then you speak English? It's like, yeah, right. Confuses <laughs> them a lot. <laughs> it's very, very confusing for them. Well, thank you so much, Carmen. Once again, all the best for this weekend. Thank you. And uh, we'll thank you very look much. Forward to seeing what else you do in the future. Thank you. Yes, Bye-bye. we'll keep in touch. Bye-bye. Right. Follow ciao, me. Ciao. <laughs> I will. Definitely. At Common Rose. It's without an E. Yeah, because yes. I swallowed it. <laughs> ah, I love that. <laughs>